solar maybe hidden costs in manufacturing overseas that you know there's some mistakes that i've made that i feel like could have completely like wiped out any small business and i feel really lucky that i was in a position to sort of learn from these mistakes that's not i get so many people messaging on instagram like, i'd love to start my own fashion brand but i'm scared of like pretty little thing and other fast fashion giants but as long as you are putting time and quality into the pieces you're making you are untouchable anyone in the world i wanted to swear it i sent her countless messages that she hadn't seen because obviously her dms are probably crazy on a shopify site when you get a sale it makes like a ka-ching ka-ching ka so my ipad was just going crazy because like what's happened i was like oh, no, 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 please, it was just like the best moment like my sister was crying everyone was crying because they just knew that that was my moment for me like whether anything come from it or not like she was my dream hi everybody welcome to designer to designer a podcast where we dive into deep candid conversations with fashion designers professionals and entrepreneurs as a fashion designer and entrepreneur myself the journey has sometimes been lonely but i get over the tough times by being in good company my mission is to make sure you never feel lonely again as you grow your fashion empire i'm your host rebecca tembo founder of self-titled jumpsuit label and the entry platform a platform for aspiring designers to develop their skills within entrepreneurship design and mindset if you enjoy this podcast episode please leave a review subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this without further ado let's get into today's episode hey everybody welcome back to the podcast i hope you're all very very well I'm so excited for this week's episode as we have a highly anticipated guest on the show. Not only is she a new designer, she managed to bring her brand to the six-figure mark in three months, get featured in Vogue, and has built a cult community around it. Amy Smells, our guest this week, she is an Essex girl born into a really hard-working family. She saw her dad go from a salesman to owning a business which had a huge positive influence on Amy's work ethic. Amy studied and pursued fashion buying before becoming a buyer's assistant at ASOS, but she knew from the start that she wanted to start a fashion brand, so she took what she learned from ASOS and turned it into Odd News. In this episode, you're going to discover the power of starting now, whether you have the money or the resources or not, you need to start the idea today, so this is your sign, guys. Plus, how to keep yourself afloat as a new self-employed entrepreneur, the behind the scenes of scaling a company so quickly, and why community is very, very important in today's age. If you love this episode, please tap and leave a five-star rating and share it with somebody who really needs to hear this today. Speak soon, designers. Welcome to the Designer to Designer podcast, Amy. Thank you so much for being here. Do you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Hello, my name is Amy Snail. I am the owner of News London, a new women's wear brand. I started it in September and here we are now. I won't say too much, but yeah, I'm the owner of News. Amazing, thank you. So, you grew up in Grays, which is in Essex, for those that don't know. Do you mind telling us a bit about your childhood, your parents, your upbringing, and how that's influenced you as a businesswoman today? So, I had an amazing childhood. I feel really, really lucky. I think everything sort of combined like the school I went to, the uni I went to, my family like combined have definitely shaped the woman I am today. I went to an amazing school when I was like 15, 16, all the kids there was like staying till like 7, 8 o'clock at night revising. I've watched my dad go from like a 
sales manager at a shop in Stratford to like build his own amazing business. So I feel like I've always been around like hard work, strong work ethic, and it's not necessarily been a case of like it's been expected or made a fuss of. It's just been sort of like a standard. So I feel really, really blessed to have the people around me and the upbringing that I did. Love that. Thank you. So you studied fashion buying at Ravensbourne University, which is in Greenwich, South East London. What made fashion buying the dream career for you at that time? So I had, I I knew I wanted to be in fashion. I had like, I had such a passion for it. um, But I don't think I was artistic enough to study fashion design. Obviously, I've ended up designing in clothes, but the way I design is a lot different. I'm just my sketches and stuff like that like I, I just felt like I wasn't artistic enough and, and buying I just found really 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 interesting like there's a lot that goes into selling clothes like before marketing and that is essentially what buying is and it's really really interesting I would recommend it to anyone like even the course I did it's such a good understanding of sort of selling clothes that you wouldn't necessarily get that knowledge from like looking into like marketing and design so yeah I was just really inspired by him obviously I fell out of it a little bit but I've massively massively carried what I've learned into what he is massively. So let's talk in let's talk about how you got into buying so you were a buying assistant at ASOS what was that process getting the job just in case there's anybody else that wants to go down that path? So generally when you leave uni and you or some people don't necessarily have to go into uni to do it the first sort of step into the going to buying is to be a buyer's assistant and you generally assist the buying team so you'll have an assistant buyer and a main buyer and a lot of the roles in sort of being an assistant buyer is getting the stock into the business and preparing stock for shoots and basically just assisting all, on all the little jobs that the buyers need once they've bought that stock. So yeah, it was a really interesting job. I honestly love, loved it. But I just got to a point where I felt it was quite competitive in the business I was in. And, you know, there were a lot of other girls that had been there for longer and had more experience than me. So in terms of me sort of getting a promotion, I didn't see it happening anytime soon for me. And I felt like I was working really, really hard. And it wasn't necessarily going to be a case that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't working hard enough. It was just like the situation I was in. Yeah, and I remember when we spoke before as well, you you also mentioned generally like it doesn't pay as much. And I think that goes for jobs in fashion in general, like they don't have the best salaries. Yeah, it's like, it's sort of with fashion, it's like a bit of a long time coming, like you have to start out on quite a bad wage. And obviously I was travelling into London, so that take, took a massive chunk of my wage each month. So, And like the days don't get any shorter, it's just... Yeah, I just, that sort of started to get me down. But the general, like, when I first started, I remember, like, absolutely loving the job. Had it been, like, paid a bit better, maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I wouldn't have left. But then, yeah, and in terms of sort of going into buying, I wouldn't want to deter anyone away just because at first it's quite rubbish money. Like, the job is really, really interesting. And I'm sure wherever you want to take your career in fashion, by starting in buying will massively help you. Perfect. Thank you. All right, so working at ASOS and then now you were planning on starting Ogmies. What did that process look like and how would you prepare? Someone working full-time, you've got a salary, don't need to worry about anything and now you're venturing into entrepreneurship. Like you actually plan to 
leave how did you do that so it basically started with me I was sort of like planning it all like on the train to work and it sort of become a bit of a hobby like I, ne- I never had the money to invest into this idea the way I wanted to invest into it obviously I was working in buying and I knew there's sort of like real costs into like creating a big brand so that was what I had my vision of but I hadn't I did not have the money to do that so it became a bit of a hobby and I was always I was working on I still do now have my like, marketing company where I do like uh, social media for all different types of businesses I make menus for restaurants and like all sort of graphics and marketing work and I managed to sort of like match my wage each month with that marketing business and it's not necessarily saying I was like on a lot of money I just had to make something like work and then sort of like lockdown came and my marketing company just went absolutely crazy like I remember in March I took around like six thousand pounds in one month which is just not like that's never happened in my marketing company and I was getting like monthly clients that wanted to work with me and I just had like it just felt like I had like all these signs telling me to just do it because I had all the idea I now had from that like six thousand I made in that one month that was the final bit I needed to go into it and I was working at ASOS at the time and I'd actually got moved out of the department which I absolutely loved to beauty which is obviously non-fashion. No one could really understand why I was like so upset about this move. Like in ASOS, the beauty department is a really good department to work for. But I wasn't interested in working for ASOS. I was at ASOS working on the women's wear premium brands department. So for me, I was in a perfect position where I was learning and then it just got taken away from me. And I always say like, if I'm not laughing or learning, I'm not doing it. And I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't really learning anything. So I just felt like, why wouldn't I not do this? Like, I've got literally the idea, the manufacturer, everything sorted. I was just waiting on the money. I've got no job satisfaction. And then from then, I ordered my stock. I carried on working at ASOS while my stock was being manufactured. I literally left with, like, two weeks before launch. My mum, like, begged me to just wait till Christmas to leave. But I just knew that I had to leave to give it my all and I did I did have my marketing company to fall back on you know if, and and also like I was willing to take that risk if one month I couldn't do something because I had no money like it was fine like this is what I wanted to do and I was willing to sort of take that risk so yeah I literally left with two weeks to spare against my mum's will but I'm so glad I did oh my god I love that and you know what Okay, so one thing I got from that was just start because I feel like a lot of the times we're waiting for everything to align and for everything to be perfect. And someone would be like, okay, I'm going to start a fashion brand, but I don't have the money. And they'll just leave it like that. They won't design, they won't find a manufacturer. Just start anything you can. Literally. It becomes a hobby. Yeah. I remember like years ago tweeting, you might not have like the material kind of resources that you need, but you have a pen and paper, which means that you can start something, you can draw, you can send it to a CAD illustrator, you can get a tech pack made on like five or for like 15 pounds, you know, you can start with something. And then once you had that money, like that 6,000 pounds that you got in that month, it didn't just, I don't know, I believe that things are like, they come to you, like things are attracted to you, if that makes sense. I, I believe that whole like month of my life, I remember like, sitting in this room specifically like crying my eyes out to my boyfriend because I had been moved off of this department and I literally felt like I wouldn't be able to do my brand anymore because I was learning so much but then the money that come that month and it just 
made me think like, no, like I, it's because I didn't need to learn anymore. Like it's because I'm ready now to do this. And I, I do always say that I really don't think I rushed into odd years. Like I remember bringing my mum two months into ASOS, like, please send me the money. I want to start my own fashion round. Please, please, please. And I didn't even have anything sorted. And she was just like, no, like, I'm not doing that. She probably didn't really want me to do this with my own money, like, because it obviously is a risk. Um, but I just, I so believe, like you say, in science, and I believe, like, this is what I had to do in that exact moment. It was mm-hmm. definitely the right time. Yeah. And then when that month came, you were financially ready to get yeah. everything done. Because imagine if that came, you didn't have anything in place. You know, timing is so important as well. So maybe you would have launched a bit later. Maybe the buzz that you had around your brand maybe would have wouldn't have happened yeah. just because of that exactly. timing, just because of missing a step. So if you're listening to this, just make sure you start. It doesn't matter yeah. what the circumstances are. Just begin. And I believe the universe is seeing what you're working with and exactly. seeing what you're doing with what you have. And then things will come to you. But another thing I wanted to touch on was you mentioned having these clients for the marketing agency that you have and everything how would you suggest somebody pitch to brands or to potential clients not in full detail but just in case because I'm sure people now listening thinking okay I can do something I can make money I can you know look outside and think a bit bigger what would just be one tip that you'll suggest in terms of finding clients in the way I sort of find clients for my marketing business has been generally through word of mouth because I did actually start it on the side at uni so it was slow for like two years and now it's picked up but I get a lot of clients through like messaging them on Instagram or for their social media if I notice they like this one client I work with they have like this amazing restaurant in uh, Hartford sorry completely off the tangent it's like a pod place like copper club and I went on their Instagram and it just I just thought what an amazing restaurant like I could really help them so it's recognising, like, if you can help people and just reaching out, like, not everyone's going to reply. And it's the same with, like, email marketing and what I'm doing with Odd News. Like, not everyone's going to care, but some people will. And that is, like, the general rule of thumb in, like, all business. Like, you don't need everyone to reply to you. Like, some people will care. Okay. Even if it's, like, one instance like. And do you message them from, like, your personal account or would you have an account specifically for... I have for, like... my own um, business account for market so I've messaged them on there okay perfect that makes a lot of sense thank you so you mentioned on your website how the name odd muse came about due to the overwhelming relationship between social media modern day standards and the fashion industry how has this impacted your relationship personally when it comes to social media and you know the influence that that can have on you yes so I don't think it's necessarily affected me personally it's just something I've noticed and that I find like a little bit annoying like I don't know why brands don't value their customers in the same way they do like the influencers they work with and through this experience I have met so many sort of amazing creators who are so so lovely but I love interacting with my customers just as much and I don't think brands really have that and that's why when I work with influencers, I never ever go by their following. Like, I always go by their content. If I, if I go on their page and they've got like this real passion, like that's what I want. I'm so passionate about what I do. I will work with people who are passionate about what they do. Like I don't know if you've seen on my Instagram, I work with these two girls. Um, they're called Hannah and Anna. They're in uni at the moment. When I first started working with them, they had like 300 followers. But the content they make is absolutely amazing and it should not go unnoticed. And, you know, now they're on like, 
over a thousand followers, loads of brands want to work with them, and I just absolutely love that. Like, I love watching people grow as much as they love watching odd news grow. Like, they're in, and that's why I feel like I had a bit of a connection, and why you know I don't necessarily lose customers because I come on my Instagram stories or, and just I'm not like necessarily following like the norms of a brand today. Yeah, and I just, yeah, I just noticed that that sort of difference. Not that it affected me personally, but just I just thought, why aren't brands like doing this? Exactly. So when you launched, there was some commotion because mm-hmm. Pretty Little Thing must have copied your design of the Ultimate Blazer, and um, you. I remember this. I think I actually saw your brand on loads of Instagram ads. Yeah, like just you know, in between stories and whatnot, and yes. then when that happened, I just remember seeing it on Twitter. That's it. I saw it on Twitter, yeah. and it just kind of went everywhere. You gained a lot of support from it, and ironically, it did actually help your brand just to put a spotlight, basically, because you know yeah. it's it's not fair what they're doing. So yeah, let's talk about that situation, how you felt, how you handled it, and yeah. So I think looking back, I probably like I could have handled it a little bit differently, but from my point of view, I think at the time. Like, Sales are really slow, but normal for a brand that just launched. Uh, I had about 2,000 followers. I hadn't sold that many blazers. Like at that time, it was so frustrating for me because I just thought no one's going to hear me. Like that is my blazer. And I'd seen a girl put on Facebook a photo of me, like where can I find this blazer? Someone had commented like the pretty little thing one. And it just literally like, I just felt like where I was in buying as well, like I knew people were going to think like pretty little thing has millions of followers. Why does I just sort of new think they're copying them. But essentially, like, that Pretty Little Thing account is just a group of normal people sitting in an office looking at what's new on Instagram, looking at what's small scale to cover their tracks. So I knew exactly what had happened, but it was just a case that I didn't know whether people were going to believe me. But, of course, like, they did. On Twitter, it went absolutely crazy. But, yeah, like, when it got into the Daily Mail, I, I was reading the comments, which I probably shouldn't have done, but people were basically saying that, you know, welcome to the real world, this is going to happen. And as harsh as that is, like, it is true. And that's not, I get so many people message me on Instagram, like, I'd love to start my own fashion brand, but I'm scared of, like, Pretty Little Thing and other fast fashion giants. But as long as you are putting time and quality into the pieces you're making, you are untouchable. Like, there's a reason I, like, can't keep that blazer in stock, but it's still sitting on Pretty Little Thing's clearance page. Like, they cannot touch you because they don't put enough time and they won't put enough money into producing a piece because they are quantity over quality. As long as you are a quality brand, you put a lot of thought into what you're doing, they can't touch you. So I'm learning that and I next time I see it, I probably won't be as angry. And I do think as well, like, brands like House of CB have this done all the time and you never hear them complaining. And why? Because they pride themselves on quality. So, I yeah, I'm just going to completely handle that differently. But I completely understand small independents doing that now because it isn't fair, but just as a rule of thumb, so they know, like, they, you are untouchable in that sense. It's like you are going to come out on top. Like, essentially, in that situation, I'm the one who has triumphed. I know they're, like, moving on to their next thing, and it doesn't really matter to them. But, yeah, I do feel like I could have handled it differently. But everything is a learning curve. Exactly. But, no, I'm so happy that um, you did talk about that. Because I think for other people who aren't designers and they're 
I guess, consumers of brands like Pretty Little Thing, Boohoo, etc. I think it kind of opened their eyes to, oh, like this is actually real. This actually happens, especially when it's from someone that's relatable. Like they, I'm sure a lot of girls look to you and think, oh, wow, like she's like me, whether it's where you're from or like how you dress, how you look or whatever, they can relate to you. And maybe they have the same dreams as you. So to see that, I feel like it just touched a lot of people and made them think, okay, this is not okay. Yeah, and I think the thing as well, like with my, like I, I bet a lot of designer brands see Pretty Little Thing doing it all the time, it doesn't bother them, but with me, because with them it's like a different consumer, but with my brand, like I am generally trying to like challenge the fast fashion consumer to buy better and invest in like better clothes. So for me, it was like customers were just being taken from me, but yeah, I it was a learning curve. I'm quite happy it happened. Like, someone actually like messaged me like quite a horrible message saying like your success is only down to the pretty little thing scandal which I don't think necessarily is the truth but I showed a light on it and I've came out so I don't think that's necessarily a problem that I did get attention from that um I think a lot of independent designers were inspired by it so I like that doesn't really bother me doesn't matter but even if so so what (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) you still have to come up with the design yeah like you literally have to do all the work regardless so it doesn't matter if that amplified it like you have to do the work yeah people are crazy but we move (laughs) but on the plus side social media has been beneficial to you because when Lorna Lux bought your blazer that just basically made everything go off so let's talk about that but I want to get into the emotions because I want people to like feel how you're feeling at that moment and yeah people like I think it was like such a thing for people because like people knew that she was like my dream I wanted her to anyone in the world I wanted Lorna Lux to wear it I'd sent her countless messages that she hadn't seen because obviously her DMs are probably crazy and I just literally couldn't believe it. I was at home. I fell to the kitchen floor completely on my own. I was, like, crying, sending everyone voice notes. No one could understand what I was saying. My boyfriend walked in and was just like, what's happened? All he knew was I was crying. But my on a Shopify site, when you get a sale, it makes, like, a ka-ching, ka-ching. So my iPad was just going crazy. He was like, what's happened? I was like, oh, Lord, what's that? It was just, like the best moment like my sister was crying everyone was crying because they just knew that that was my moment for me like whether anything come from it or not like she was my dream so I think people really loved that yeah. as well um but yeah I remember you telling me that you went from I think you sold like 14 or so yeah by that point and then once she posted it basically yeah, I like think, I think I had about 80 units left so that would be like 14 to 20 left yeah. um, I think I had about 80 left and they all sold that night and I was literally like what am I gonna do but it, it's important to understand that like Lorna definitely gave me that exposure and I, I remember saying on your masterclass it's that combination of having like an amazing product and that exposure and Lorna definitely gave me like that exposure for my amazing product I feel like it was that combined and even like going into pre-order like I believe that I really turned that around like the day that pre-order went live we took like 55,000 pounds in sales for the blazer and 20,000 of it was taken in the first 10 minutes like absolutely crazy that's insane insane Insane. but like 
I, when I think about it, I think that like Lorna really gave me that opportunity. But I, you know, the second she bought it, I remember she posted like one of my first ever fights I took with the blazer, and I knew the content was not good enough. Like if I was going to do this big pre-order, like I did not have money to order seven hundred blazers the next day, but I just knew I just did it, and I, I knew I had to get the content ready, build a momentum. I had to do all these things, and I really believe that I, you know, with that exposure, I turned that into like a fifty-five thousand pound day. I really, really believe that. I worked so hard to build momentum. I pushed myself for the content, and you know, I, yeah, I, I took that opportunity, and I, yeah. Did but, you sleep? Yeah, I'm so, so thankful for Lorna. Like she has essentially like changed my life. Did you sleep that that period? I feel like you know when no. you're just so excited that you just can't sleep. <laughs> It was just crazy, and the fact that like where I was a pre-order, like it was all just happening, but I hadn't had the stock yet, so I didn't have to like rush and pack orders. I was just sitting on my iPad all day like this, and then I finally sort of come to terms with it, and then the delivery came like four weeks later, and I was like, oh my god, like I actually cannot believe like I had done this, like I have sold this many blazers. People love my design this much, so yeah, it's just like crazy, crazy to think about it, and even now like. I don't ever sit down and think about it unless I'm in a situation like this where I'm like, talking about it. So it's just absolutely mental. Like, I'm so, so grateful. What about that next day when, after she posted it and you had to go and, like, pack all those 80 blazers to ship out? Like, was what was that like? Like, I didn't, it was an absolute nightmare. I didn't have enough packaging. My blazers, like originally come in like these cellophane bags like because I didn't have like now I have like nice odd news bags like there's nothing that could have prepared me for that like I did not have that many bags to pack up I didn't even have a hundred bags it was absolutely nightmare my sister like helped me I was in like this time at the time I was in like a tiny tiny self-storage unit so I was like all along the hallway like packing orders like but obviously now that's all completely ironed out but yeah that was completely mental like even taking them I mean I get my parcels picked up now even taking all them to the post office like it's just it was just crazy but it's kind of nice to look back at like it's nice when it's not perfect when it's just how it is and you're not prepared and it's like that's just how it started and it just feels very I don't know like I obviously I never forget like even now like these times I'll never ever forget it like I still very feel like I'm at I'm at the beginning but there's such like it's just such a journey, like. Just yeah. So following from that, how do you maintain the momentum and continue growing your audience? Because I feel like for a lot of people, and I've done this myself as well, whether it's in fashion or whatever else I do, like you can gain momentum and have those amazing sales days and everyone loves you, blah, blah, blah. And then because there's a lack of strategy, that buzz can drop. And then you start thinking like, oh, like what's going on? But I think as business owners especially as fashion designers we need to kind of understand how to maintain momentum as much as we can obviously there'll be times where there's spikes and whatnot but what yeah. do you think you do to help maintain that momentum and of course there are times where genuinely like people are not on their phones and like it's not a case where I, I used to like very much like take it to heart if one day like my Instagram wasn't like had loads of activity but it's important to understand that People are people, and that peaks and troughs in its own right. Anyway, but with like building momentum, like I knew straight away I had to 
get better content and get new content, fresh content. I mean, content is absolutely everything. Like, it is absolutely everything. Like, I know people say that anyway, but the minute I have, I take new photos or new content, like, I notice sales just go absolutely crazy. So it's important to just keep giving them more and not posting the same things. I think that is a massive point of it, like, constantly, like, feel like you're giving them more countdowns, giveaways, like just keep pushing and building the momentum. And I think one thing that you do really well is that on um, Instagram stories, especially like you're always doing Q and A's, you show your face that people know that you're the founder of the brand, not in a way where it's like, it's not like an ego thing. It's more in a like creating a community thing. Yeah. Like follow me, follow me. It's like, I know my customers are liking this, so I'm going to carry on doing it. And as I said before, I really like interacting with my customers and you know, it's like loads of them have so many questions for me all the time. And, you know, I am so grateful for them, especially all the customers that are with me now, because I know I'm very much at the beginning. So for me, there's no reason why I wouldn't come on my stories and talk to them and answer their questions. Yeah. One thing people really want to know is how you shoot amazing content on a budget, because when you started, I think you put like white sheets or something like yeah. as your backdrop, I right? I got like, I've st- it's still in my bedroom at home now. So I literally went on Amazon, bought like a, a white, big 10 foot white satin sheet and some sticky pegs to go on the corner of my room and just like draped it. And then I just got like a ring light and a phone stand. And I think that's where like my content just went. I started to realize like, okay, this is what I need to like grow this business, like content, content, content. And you know, you can obviously reach out to different creators and whatnot, but I like to post every day. And I've learned that, like, during lockdown, people aren't necessarily buying my blazer and then posting a photo in it because they're not going out. So I'm not getting I'm not getting much content from customers at the moment unless they're, like, influencers or just want to post a photo in it. So I just sort of was like, I've got to do this myself and I've got to get a ton of it. So I started on Amazon. I think I spent, like, £50 in total. And now, only recently, I've started renting a local studio to me. And it's worth inquiring. The studio I use is like £45 an hour. And I don't know why I never thought it would be that cheap before. And, you know, I spent, the other day, I just I went there with my friend and we took photos of my blazer, £45. And, yeah, I noticed sales went crazy for the black blazer on the weekend. And I, I feel like it definitely had something to do with the hour-long shoot I did and in terms of photographers I'm desperately morphing my friends into photographers and videographers and but yeah it's important to understand that you don't need to like go all out you can just get a phone and a little setup and when you post your content on Instagram because you post literally every single day no days off do you have like a certain time that you post that like, will you put in your calendar like okay go and post on instagram now or do you kind of just go with the flow of the day because you're so used to posting every day like how would you kind of yeah, find it out i feel like i i'm still testing what i remember on a lot on masterclass we did someone on there mentioned like when they started posting at 12 it was like better because everyone around the world was awake and i'm still like trying to test out that but mostly i'm posting in the morning and I feel like I get a better reaction or like six o'clock at the evening, never sort of like midday do I get a massive reaction. But yeah, I'm still testing that. A lot of things with me are like where I'm so at the beginning, it's like, I'm still testing. 
Yeah, <laughs> got you. So let's talk a bit about manufacturing. So how you found your manufacturer, obviously working and buying definitely like helped and helped you understand everything. And then any challenges that, that you've had with production as well, because I think a lot of people think once they found a manufacturer, that's where like all the problems kind of stop. But it's like things happen all the time. <laughs> People literally like hound me for manufacturing advice and I'm literally like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I've made so many like mistakes and I feel like that's why I sort of, when people ask me, I really recommend manufacturing in the UK because I've had so many like issues, self-inflicted, but it's just where I'm learning. So I found my manufacturer through working at ASOS. My main job was getting the stock into the business and I was working on the Women's Wear Premium Department. So I was already working with all these brands that I really aspired to be like. And where I'm getting that stock into business, I knew exactly where they were coming from, like to the literal like address. So I started to talk to different people. I had sort of like a template email that I'd send out to people just asking uh, if they specialise in women's wear, what's their lowest minimum quantity, which is like the most important thing, like the necessary documents to make sure they're like working in an ethical manner. I just had that template and I was sending it out, sending it out. It was complete sort of trial and error. I had samples made at a few different ones before I decided on my last one. But I feel like it's like the main thing people get stuck on. It's definitely what I got stuck on, but you need to just sort of like simplify it in your head. I feel like I push manufacturing in the UK on people whenever they ask me because I've made so many mistakes through completely self-inflicted because I am learning. So, you know, with with things like sampling and importing, there's so many hidden costs in manufacturing overseas that, you know, there's some mistakes that I've made that I feel like could have completely like wiped out any small business and I feel really lucky that I was in a position to sort of learn from these mistakes. But yeah, I just, yeah. So with manufacturing overseas, I would, a lot of people, I don't really like talking about like the initial amount of money I put into the business, but I get people are here to like know things like that. So I originally put about £12,000 into this business. It was like my entire life savings, like completely risk being able to move out and you know, I think if you've got any less than that, I would start off in the UK or where you are from, if anyone's from international, because there's so many costs importing into the UK. I mean, going into specifics, I remember I'd ordered a thousand kilograms worth of blazers and, you know, I'd spent £6,000 importing them into the UK by air. And then, you know, the day they came, I got calls saying you just need to pay like your VAT and your import charge, your customs duty, all that stuff. Absolutely fine. I was like, okay. And I opened the bill and it was like £11,000. And I was like, oh my God, I spent nearly £20,000 on shipping. What the hell? And, you know, I wouldn't have been able to avoid them imports and VAT. I'm lucky I get the VAT back. But that initial six grand, 400 kilograms of that delivery was black blazers that I wasn't even launching until four weeks later. They could have gone by sea and just saved me so much money in that initial six grand. I would have had to pay like the VAT import all that later. And yeah, it's just things like that. And like prices have gone up because of Brexit. And it's just, I feel like I really like shove UK manufacturing down people's throat, but it's within good reason because 
I am very lucky to have learned from my mistakes, but like I didn't want to recommend that to someone because you know, like an eleven thousand pound bill that you're not expecting could wipe you out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, like with UK, I mean, it sounds quite simple, but I just and the thing that frustrates me the most is I was working at ASOS, and when I was leaving ASOS, like they was getting ready to just completely ship all their goods by sea, and it just didn't clock with me. But like, you can never go into these things knowing everything, right? Like, you can't. So yeah, sometimes I can really beat myself up about my manufacturing mistakes, but um, it's all a learning curve, and I feel very grateful that I've been able to just learn from them. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, when it comes to manufacturing any product, especially if it's abroad, like shipping is always the biggest headache. It's kind of like when you go shopping online and you see you have to add like four pounds shipping or something. And you're like, oh, you know what? I don't want any more. But you can't do that when you've committed to an order and you've paid for it. Because especially with me, like I had all these people had already like bought these blazer. Like I had, they needed it. They can't wait eight weeks to go by sea. But like I could have done the black blazers by that. Why yeah. didn't in an order by sea and air click with me? But yeah, I had to do that with my planners because to ship them all by air cost me more than it cost to produce the planners. Yeah. That's yeah, how, that's exactly as you probably like, know. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was crazy. That's exactly what happened to me. That's when I learned. I was like, oh, yeah. amazing idea. I'm going to ship some of them by sea. Yeah, um, that's literally what I did. I split it in half, half by air, which came in like three, four days. And the other half literally came the other day by sea because I was like, I just don't have the stress to deal with this or the time yeah. to deal with this. It's just too much. But um, I mean, that's, yeah. that's another big thing with like my, when you say about what sort of issues have you had with manufacturing, like, I had to turn this around like really quickly from like when I decided I just want to do it. So like shipping by sea has never been an option, but it's just being organised enough to like go by sea. Um, yeah. I managed to get one sea shipment in. It's gone up this year, but yeah, like my goal this year is to just like ship everything by sea. Yeah, I think obviously it's just one of those things that you learn. But um, I haven't really spoken. Yeah. How can like how can like obviously people watching this now? Are learning this thank god but how can like two young girls going into business like ever predict that exactly yeah. exactly but um for anyone listening to this there is something called critical path management which is what you have in a fashion for, you know for fashion businesses and whatnot so you basically yeah. see like a calendar of your year or it could be up to like 18 months whatever and yeah. it just shows that when you're dropping pieces then from that you'll know when your sample needs to be finalized and then when the order needs to be placed and the fabric should be ordered yeah. etc so that will help you but in the beginning like you can't really predict how well your brand's going to yeah. do so you do have to go with the flow but just I think it's good to kind of think about if you're listening to this at yeah. least you have yeah. experience to hear from and then know okay yeah. just in case things go well which is obviously what we hope for everybody then let me prepare yeah. because you you want to be prepared and it's important to have a product where when there is demand, you're able to fulfill it as quickly as yeah. possible. You know, you don't want it to take too yeah. long, but I think the benefit of you doing this in, during this period of like, we're in and out of lockdown in the UK and whatnot, but at least people aren't really going anywhere. So that having yeah. to wait for blazer, it's like, okay, well, and we're kind of shopping yeah. for when we do get to go out, hopefully in the summer, please Boris. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's okay for now. But. Yeah, I mean, I feel really lucky, like, I've obviously shipped the rest of the blazers by sea, but people are, like, buying them on my site now, knowing that they can't be dispatched to a certain time, but that is obviously completely down to the fact that no one's allowed to go anywhere until further notice, so I feel really lucky, but 
that like you said critical path that is like the main thing for me this year so, yeah. yeah and I think because of the momentum that you've had it's something that you can rely on because you've got experience you've got like literally the data the evidence to prove like okay the brand is doing good we are going in the right yeah. place so we can do this but quickly I wanted to touch on your Vogue feature because again I want people to like hear this and kind of feel like how maybe you felt when it happened but yeah you're recently featured in Vogue and um, your brand was featured in Vogue so how did you feel how did that happen it didn't really feel real at first because when the email came through, I was like, is this a scam? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it was literally like an eight-centimetre photo in Vogue and a little write-up, but it was just everything to me. But, yeah, like, just crazy. I feel like back in, like, I think it was, like, November, December time, like, then, like, three months from, like, October to December, like, so many things were happening for the brand. Like, Lorna was wearing it. Vogue wanted to feature it and it was just like I was just like in a complete bubble it's just such a nice feeling and it goes to show like they just found me through Instagram and sent me an email like there was nothing to it I didn't have a PR or anything like that to get me into Vogue like it's just you know will be seen on things like Instagram and things like that so I think it's quite inspiring like it's not I did at first I remember inquiring to the PR so I really wanted this brand to just be everything, but everywhere. But, you know, it's important to understand that things like social media and that are your best friend. As long as you've got, like, an amazing amazing content and amazing products, like, you will get noticed by anyone you want to be noticed by. Definitely. And I want to talk to more Amy, the entrepreneur. So I want to know a bit more about, like, your mindset, like, how you deal with the shit that happens in business like do you have routines in the morning like I feel like you're a very good businesswoman mainly because of like how resourceful you are obviously there are things to learn I'm not saying that anybody's perfect whatever but what I've gotten from this conversation was that you didn't wait for things to happen you made things happen and you're super super resourceful like if you don't have something or if you don't know something you figure it out and you get it done and you're extremely consistent like we can tell just from social media which for your customers would make them trust you more because they're seeing you shop every single day like I don't yeah. think there's been a day where you haven't posted and yeah. you're one of the like uh, accounts that shot first on my um on my Instagram which is funny but um yeah like talk to me about who Amy the entrepreneur is god this is like I can talk all day about old news but I'm not that good about talking about myself I don't really feel like I, I'm just like I react really quickly and I'm very much like affected by my environment so I'm sort of getting into a term where if I if something's affected me I'm just going to change it I was getting to a point where I was working at home on odd news and I wasn't getting nine to five days in so I you know sorted this self-storage unit and I had all my stock there and I had a little desk in there I realized quite quickly that you know I don't want to be sat in a warehouse doing my work so with time I've gone to an office like I'm constantly just like right okay this is not working for me I'm going to do this I'm a lot more confident now prove to myself that whatever I want to do I can just do it and whatever I'm thinking I just need to react to so like you said I feel like I am sort of quite resourceful and I sort of rely on myself I remember before starting on news I used to like really need from other people to tell me to do it and to tell me it was a good idea but people aren't really like generally like that interested until it's like they can visually see it like they don't want to sit there and hear you talk about it all the time and that used to really dishearten me but 
I've just learned that like I know what I'm going to do and this is going to work and people are going to want to know about it and yeah I feel like I just yeah I'm very reliant on myself and that can be my own worst enemy like I'm at a point where I probably do need some help and I should probably work on being able to delegate but at this moment in time I'm just you know a million miles an hour but I'm making it work love that oh I love that what's been the most challenging thing that's happened to you whether it's like a production issue I mean I know you mentioned the shipping one or even something just emotionally during this period of running your brand that you just felt like you know what I don't know like this is a lot if you've had that moment I remember you reposted something like the other day and it's like an entrepreneur's mood that's like on top of the world down that that is literally me like I am not on cloud nine all the time like I'm actually glad I've sat here and had this conversation because like this past week I had been sort of feeling a bit like you do get like that like I'm going for a stage at the moment where I completely like attach my mood to sales which is just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous like on Friday I was in the best mood ever over the weekend I was in the best mood ever because odd news was doing really well and I was taking loads of sales and then like Monday it slowed down people are genuinely busy their priority at the beginning of the week is not buying clothes like Monday sales weren't that great and I'm just like sitting there like what have I done but you know you can't attach yourself like that and you can't put yourself okay well what is it about Mondays that aren't working what can I do on a Monday that's going to make customers want to react or want to even visit my site or I'm learning this but like it's all about you know days where you're not feeling good instead of just letting it overtake you like understand what you could be doing yeah. Um, and I feel like I'm going to peak and trough through moods like that until I am, um, oh my God, I don't know when I'll stop because I'm so, like, I'll always criticise what's going on. But, you know, at this time I am sort of up and down. So I feel like that's the biggest challenge really because it's so unpredictable. Like, it's so unpredictable, but it's just getting through it. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you know that, you know yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's completely normal. Like, it's very, very normal as well. Like, every, anybody that has a business will tell you that it's literally up and down. I feel yeah. like, though, just to mention to the audience, it's very important to be aware of that and to have things that help you. Because for me, for example, I'm extremely emotional when it comes to work because, like you, I've attached... So passionate about it. Yeah, right? and you attach your self-worth to how much money's in your bank account or how much engagement you're getting, i.e. basically just your career, which isn't the best thing. But you know what? When I find out the solution, I'll do a podcast episode about it. I don't know how to get over it. But for now, it's like that is the reality of it. And even like yes, when you're like building and you're small, like yeah. you're so like it's because you want it so much. So exactly. it's like it can be like affected by something as simple as a day where sales weren't that great. Yeah. So you, I think for designers, we need to really be self-aware like for me I know that if I have a down period I might be down for a day but it's really 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 bad to the point where I want to give up or I don't want to do anything whatever and I have now had to think about ways to kind of get out of that and also contributing factors that make it so bad because some people can like kind of switch but I like have to change my diet I have to make sure I have a morning routine so at least I'm reading something positive um I got a new phone and I realized that the volume is really loud so I was like oh I can listen to like motivational like videos and stuff in the morning like little things like that that really help because my mornings you know so what about you like what do you think has kind of like helped you in those periods where you're feeling a bit down and just you know (laughs) I'm still trying to work that out because I feel like at the beginning of this all 
I was on like such an initial high, like everything was happening after another. Like I launched, obviously that was amazing. Like it was just nice to finally doing something. Long war at the next month, it was in both next month. So I've never really had a moment where I've just thought, oh shit. And then like in January and like this lockdown's carrying on, I'm trying to design summer clothes. I don't know if people are going to be able to wear it. So I feel like this month I've really been like worrying and I'm in a process where I need to remind myself how far it's come, adapt to the constant changes like we did the sweatsuits. So I feel like I'm still sort of working that one out. But Is there any pressure to design a product that will do as well as the blazer, do you feel? Not necessarily because I feel like that blazer is such to my brand like it's never ever gonna go out of stock and it's never ever gonna go out of style so I feel like my biggest thing is just carrying on that momentum and wanting it to be like this iconic piece years and years down the line and extending on that like I had an amazing like collection coming next month that's like based all around the blazer so I am aware that I don't know if another product will like go crazy like that but I'm just going to work around it because I know it's here to stay. Okay. What advice would you give to an aspiring designer or someone that's already started, that on the come up, maybe things are a bit slow? What would you advise them? If things are a bit slow, I would just not be disheartened by sales. You are very much at the beginning. Like it, the journey is like such a beautiful thing. On a more technical term, for trying to build brand awareness, Facebook ads, Instagram ads are your best friend. You can put, I think at the beginning, I was doing like as little as £3 a day. That is literally your morning coffee. Marketing is all about appearing again and again and again. But my website will show me like how many times a customer visited my website before actually converting and buying something. And a lot of them, like the average is like 15 days. So it's took my ad coming up again and again and again to finally, after 15 days, then buy something. So, again, it's just down to, like, consistency and just constantly being there, like, invest your everyday coffee into brand awareness. Definitely. And for those listening, Facebook do, like, a free course or free mini courses on Facebook ads and Facebook on Instagram. Yeah. So you could it posts onto Instagram anyways. And, yeah. of course, there's, like, Skillshare, YouTube, which is free, and Udemy if you want to find out more about it. Reese I mean, I wrote... email me all the time wanting mm. to do my Google ads and my Facebook ads, but like no you can definitely definitely do them yourself definitely Definitely. yeah it's yeah I think once you get your audience right locations the demographics and everything and you're targeting the right people you're pretty much good it's just the consistency like I said people need to see you a lot of times before they actually go and make that a lot of people think you can just need to like load 40 pound or whatever onto like one day but no the like three pound a day for like a month is so much more effective so much more effective Okay. It's all about reaching the same person a number of times, not the amount of people you're reaching. Got it. Okay, so what does the future look like for Odd Muse? So I feel like I this last six months I've proved to myself that I don't really feel silly in like planning like big things. I like to structure myself around sort of like House of CB's business model, like they are sort of like exclusive to themselves, they've got their flagship stores and that's how I want to be like in my, definitely in my 10 year plan to have like flagship stores is like another one. Um, 
and yeah but this year i am just focusing on building an amazing sort of following uh, amazing like, customer base and hopefully an amazing team love that thank that's you. like my number one priority this year gossip do you have any books podcasts or self-development content that you'd recommend for our listeners so i really love the book by fashionary it is how to draw and illustrate your own brand i think and i remember like the first day i started reading it on the train i opened it up and it has little icons and it shows you all these different people that you need to start a fashion brand and i just remember opening it like okay, well, these are all the people I need to be. Like, I cannot hire all these people. Like, this is every single role I need to take on. And, you know, you read into every single role. And I think that massively, massively helped me. And then one more, like, generic book is probably The Compound Effect. It really just boils success down to basic science. Like, the more you work on something, it's you're going to succeed. Like, the same way you do when you eat healthy and go to the gym. Like, it really just, like, yeah, boils it down to basic science and like simplifies it so that was a really good read for me and yeah and I'm one of my personal goals this year is to just read 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 because I wasn't much of a reader before but books are absolutely amazing so yeah my goal is like one book a month hopefully two yeah thank you I love the compound effects by um Darren Hardy yeah Yeah, it's amazing and it, it kind of when you're saying that it was just making me think about the compound effect with like what you do in your social media accounts how you're always posting yeah. every day that basically leads to a big payoff even with the instagram ads everything. exactly so um yeah guys definitely read that and it's not a big read it's like i don't no, know it's quite short read at all. yeah it's not too long but it's a great book so where can our audience find you so on instagram it is odd news london and the same on facebook and www.odnews.co.uk Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and gained a lot of valuable knowledge to help you with your fashion business or career. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. As always, it's been a pleasure. See you next week. Bye.